Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with another uh, mini-sode, number 46, in which we are talking about uh, the various best pictures through the years. We are talking about the winner of best picture for the year 1998, which is John Madden's Shakespeare in Love. I will now welcome in, oh man, by the way, anybody that we saw at the uh, Comic-Con meetup, it was nice meeting you. Gosh, I hope you were there. Uh, otherwise, I'm just talking to no one, and then I sound like a lunatic. So, okay. Uh, I welcome in my co-host, Josh, Josh Long. I feel like now would have been the perfect time for me to never chime in and let you just keep talking because you just talked about how crazy you would be just sitting here talking to no one. That would be nice. And if yes. I had just said, not said anything and then you were like, well, good to see you, Josh, and, yeah. keep, and just kept on going. <laughs> I often wonder, you know what? I, we don't have time for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, I can't go on these minisodes. We, I need to try and avoid the tangents if possible, but, uh, so, okay, we're going to jump into 1998. Now, if you remember last, uh, the last minisode we did, uh, I mentioned being on a video show called 11 points countdown, which in which we talked about the least deserving best picture winners. Now, David and I did not contribute to that list. We merely talked about a list put together by, uh, uh, the viewers of that of that show, and so Shakespeare in Love was on that list as a as a least deserving. Now I know why people say that. They say it because Saving Private Ryan, a big epic war film that changed the way war movies were going would be made from then on. That was nominated for Best Picture that year, and so and frankly, a lot of people, myself included, thought that Shakespeare in Love. Uh, Sorry, that Saving Private Ryan would win Best Picture, especially when it won Best Director. And then Shakespeare in Love won, and a lot of people were very quick to say, well, it won because it was Miramax, and the Weinsteins, you know, really put a lot they cheated. out there. Yeah, they just, they campaigned it into winning Best Picture. And so, uh, by the way, that might be true. Um <laughs> And so I think people really embrace that cynicism and the frustration of Saving Private Ryan not winning. Uh, and so I think they come down pretty hard on Shakespeare in Love. And I am of the opinion that they should not. I think it is a marvelous film. I did not really care for it at the time, but I, was, I would put that down to being young. Since then, I think I've really come to appreciate how clever it is, how genuinely funny it is, the... The technical quality of it, because it needs to transport you to that time, it can't be too anachronistic in its dialogue, uh, but still be kind of knowing. And it just, mm. it's not Saving Private Ryan. And I'll talk about that in a moment, because I don't think Saving Private Ryan is necessarily a, a wonderful film. Um, and so Shakespeare in Love, for those that may not know, is about a young guy named Will Shakespeare as he's writing... Uh, a play Billy called Shakes. yeah Billy Shakes. That's what his mobbed up name is. Yeah. Um, he's writing a play called Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter, and then he gets some uh, pointers from his buddy, uh, fellow playwright Christopher Marlowe. But then also uh, about maybe that's not the best script to write, uh, the best uh, play to write. Uh, but then he also actually falls in love with this young woman and aspects of their romance influence the writing of what would become Romeo and Juliet. Uh, it is, it feels original. It feels fresh. It's full of life. I can't say enough good things about it. That is, and that's something that I, that is a, a response that I had to come to over the years at the time. I don't think I liked the movie that much. I thought it was only okay. Um, 
but I think now that it is just marvelous. That is my opinion. Josh, your opinion. It's funny, that year, I remember watching the Oscars that year and being upset that Shakespeare in Love won, Mm -hmm. which didn't make any sense because I had not seen any of the movies nominated for Best Picture. (laughs) Um, I knew people who had seen Saving Private Ryan and who talked about how great it was, and when you're, what, 1998, so I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're 15 years old and you're into movies, Steven Spielberg is one of the best yeah. filmmakers ever. Like, the, one of, like, the top three. Yeah. Um, In so, the sense that he's maybe one of the only ones whose name you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that he's important, and you know that he's made a bunch of movies that you love, so why would it not make sense that he, yeah. that he, uh, why wouldn't he win? Um, uh, so when I finally was going through and watching all of the best picture winners and watch this one, I was like, this is actually good. <laughs> I, I like this movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, honestly, I cannot remember when I first saw it. It must've been in college, but, uh, I watched it again when I was, uh, writing on these for, mm-hmm. for more than one lesson. And even going back and watching it again, I was like, this is this is very funny. It's, it's, it's clever. I like the way it's acted. I like, uh, it it has that sense of, uh, like you said, it can't be too anachronistic, but I think it is, it, it, the tone is kind of anachronistic, but Mm -hmm. anachronistic, however you say, I don't know what the, I don't know where the emphasis goes. Um, but, uh, the the tone is that way, but it still works for the movie. Like it still fits in that time period. It's still yeah. believable there. It doesn't feel like a, it doesn't feel like a farce of Shakespearean times. Right. It still feels like it totally lives in that world. Um, but just connects all, uh, it, it connects a lot about the business of entertainment in general. Absolutely. To the way that we know it now. Um, or the way it is now to kind of say like, it's always been a little bit like this, mm-hmm. which is, I think it, it ends up being very funny and very interesting and, yeah. and a thoughtful approach. And, um, it's, it, the idea of showing how real life things, uh, work their way into Shakespeare's work is clever and original and, yeah. and fun. The film just has so much life to it. Yeah. It just feels there's a vitality. It's del- it, there's a real sense of delight and you feel like everybody from the cast to the crew, to the producers, to the Weinsteins themselves, not that I feel like they can feel joy, but everybody seemed to love making this film. Everybody seemed to get it. Everyone seemed to just be completely on board with it. And maybe it's because it's a, it's a movie about, uh, you know, about, in this case, not making movies, but making art and making dramatic art. And there's not yeah. a lot of difference between putting a play together and putting a movie together. I mm-hmm. mean, it requires a lot of behind-the-scenes people and all that. And so, um, so yeah, it's just um, – oh, shoot. Sorry. I just, I just had a moment in my mind where <laughs> I forgot last – week when we talked about American Beauty, I forgot to mention Topsy Turvy, uh, oh. which was one of the best movies that year and too absolutely bad. astounding. No, nope. it's we too bad. It. We can't talk moved, about it. Move beyond it's it. It's dead and gone. So, um, anyway, uh, so yeah, it just, and, and one of my favorite lines about, about show business of any kind is when one of the 
financiers of the of the play has Jeffrey Rush, the producer of the play. Um, and by the way, the, the financiers are basically criminals, uh, and they have him like pushed up against the wall. They're going to threaten him, and they're like, "Where?" You know, they're frustrated. This might be lo- that this is losing money, and and he's talking about like, "Oh, it's everything is a you know this this always happens." You know, with any play, it's 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 crazy. It's it feels like it's going to be a complete disaster. And he says, "Well, then what do we do?" He says, "Nothing." He says, "Nothing." He goes. Yes, nothing. Oddly enough, it always turns out well. <laughs> and man, I've been involved in enough plays in my life to know, you know, what is referred to as Hell Week, which it's it's dress rehearsals. You're finally the the set is together and all the moving parts are and but everything seems like it's going to be an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. My high school production of The Skin of Our Teeth, which is a pretty technically involved play, and there's constant breaking of the fourth wall. It's just chaos. Mm-hmm. But it was one of the best – when the play itself happened, it was one of the best experiences of my life. <laughs> I loved it. It, Funnily enough, it all turned out well. Yeah. And that little exchange is one of my absolute favorite things and something that's pretty universal. I think anybody that's worked in any kind of artistic – not to imply that art always works out well, but in the theater <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, and so I think anybody can look at that and relate to it. That and when uh, Ben Affleck – who who would have thought that I'd be praising Ben Affleck's reading of a line, but uh, but when he's he's the prima donna of the stage, he's going off and he's being really bloviating and he's just bullying people around him, and then one of these financiers is there watching and he says, "Who is this?" and he says, "I'm the money." He says, "Then you may stay," and it's just this very it's a nice acknowledgement of yeah we we know how this works. That's one of the fun parts about this movie is the way that it pokes fun at commercialism in mm-hmm. art, which is yeah. Uh, such a big deal with the movies because yeah. that's what it's all about. Even more so today, I think, than it was in 1998. But, yeah, uh, and there's and the acknowledgement that as much as you and I may be frustrated with the the interjection of commercialism and money into art and the kind of corrupting influence it has. Uh, art can't be made without it, right. or at it's, least not on a national scale. It's still necessary. Yeah, and so that is a nice little moment where yeah. the guy's not he's not going to stop bloviating but he will acknowledge you, you can stick around uh if, if you were anybody else i'd tell you to leave but you're the one financing my ability to do what i'm doing right now so you can stick around yeah it's a film i can't speak well i really can't speak well enough about it um i think listeners if you haven't seen it go and watch it you will you will really enjoy yourself i think the fun thing one another fun thing is that every time both times i've watched it i remember characters that i totally forgot were mm-hmm. in it like i remember last time particularly i had almost completely forgotten about tom wilkinson's and colin firth's characters and yeah. and watching it and i was like i love these characters these are hilarious yeah it's yeah i it's and that we keep emphasizing that it's funny it is genuinely funny it's not the kind of funny where you find yourself smiling the whole time where it's amusing and you enjoy spending time there and it's pleasant and delightful. Hmm. It is all of those things, but it is often laugh out loud funny. Yeah. In my opinion. And so, um, and part of that, it, it's co-written by, I don't think we mentioned this now, but Tom Stoppard's yes. one of the writers of the, of the movie who you may know him from the theater world mm-hmm. from Rosencrantz and Guildenstern aren't dead, dead and so on yeah. and so forth. And he's a, he is a very clever, a very good comedy writer. And it's interesting because when I think of Tom Stoppard and I, I, I think first and foremost of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. But I think I don't think of that as a fast. I don't know. I don't think of that as a fast moving 
play, but my, I might be, I haven't read it in many years, so I might not be remembering, remembering it correctly. One thing that I like about Shakespeare in Love is I feel like it really moves. And it definitely a nice, does move. A frenetic pace, mm-hmm. uh, almost a farcical pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think of, of Tom Stoppard as being that, but I might be misremembering. I feel like it can, de- it can depend. I think I've seen, I think that play can be done either way. I think it can okay. be done very kind of moody and you can play up the sort of waiting for Godot aspect of it if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people do and make it a little bit more morose, but I've, I, I think it's also one of those ones that can be done very quick. Okay. And I, and I think it might be one of those ones that becomes more enjoyable and becomes funnier when it is quicker and when it does, yeah. it is that back and forth. Okay. Yeah, and so you have a writer who is well-versed in writing in this language and getting things across in this language. And familiar with Shakespeare. Yeah, and you know, one of my frustrations, and I'm certainly not alone in this, and there are times when I'm, I get angry with myself for this, but you know, when you hear Shakespeare, when you read it, you're able to go at your own pace until you can figure out what it is they're saying. <laughs> when you hear it or when you see it, I recently went to uh, LACMA and saw... Uh, Chimes at Midnight, which I had seen once about 10 years ago, loved it then, love it now. But as is the, and you know, if you're a fan of Orson Welles, you're going to run across Shakespeare eventually. And, and he knows how to deliver it, but that he delivers it the best way you can. But that doesn't mean that I always know exactly what's happening. Some of the language is, in my opinion, somewhat indecipherable. Um, and that's frustrating to me. I wish I could be one of those people that can just hear any, you know, any soliloquy of Shakespeare and know every single thing that is being said and and understand what the overall thing means. Uh, For me, it takes a little bit longer. And so with Shakespeare in Love, there could have been, uh, I don't know, there must have been a temptation to write the whole film in this Shakespearean Mm -hmm. way. Or in like iambic pentameter or something. And just that would have been frustrating. <laughs> it would yes, and I feel like maybe some of the laughs wouldn't have, would have been swallowed up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't do that. But they still write in in an old timey way. Uh, to the extent, by the way, that early on and very early on in the film, uh, a character is talking to Will Shakespeare, and he responds in the way that he he does. And then I think it's uh, Jeffrey Rush who's like, no, no, I, I don't have time for that. Prose. Just use prose. And it's it's nice. It's a nice acknowledgement of what the film could have been uh, and, in fact, what it is. So, uh, so obviously, uh, the question that we often ask is, if somebody said they were going to watch this, would we warn them away from it? Uh, the answer here is obviously no. So then the next step is, would I recommend it? The answer is uh, absolutely yeah, yes. Yeah, definitely yes. So now, okay, so the film won a number of things. Uh, it won Best Picture, Best Actress for Gwyneth Paltrow, Best Supporting Actress for Judy Dench, Original Screenplay, Costumes, Art Direction, and Original Score, back when score was split between musical uh, musical or comedy and drama. That's so seven. That's pretty good. Yeah, it, it really cleaned up. It was nominated for Supporting Actor for Jeffrey Rush for Director, Cinematography, Sound, Editing, and Makeup. Now, uh... Gwyneth Paltrow is very, very good in the movie. Uh, I would venture to say she's great in the movie. She is not, however, Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth Good. Kate Blanchett yeah. is pretty amazing in Elizabeth. Yeah, that's true. It was my it was my introduction to her as an actress, and I remember thinking, "Who is this person?" And then it took her a. She was in more things after that, but she didn't really blow up until 
uh, Lord of the Rings, and then she was in The Aviator, and now she's genuinely a household name. She's mm-hmm. since won uh, two Oscars for The Aviator and last year for Blue Jasmine. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if I'd say I was outraged that Gwyneth Paltrow won, because I still think she was very good, but I do think that Kate Blanchett and Elizabeth was better. Uh, not that we're going to go through all of these nominations. Judy Dench was nominated, uh, sorry, she won for supporting actress for eight minutes of screen time. Eight minutes is not the end of the, you know, that's, it's fine. If, if you make an impact, that's great. I do think there were much more deserving nominees that year, including maybe my, not even maybe I recently made my list of my favorite supporting female performances. And number one was Kathy Bates in primary colors who was nominated this year. Hmm. Uh, and I think does more with it, but also in gods and monsters, I think Lynn Redgrave does a great job. Uh, did you see gods and monsters? I did. It's been a while since yeah. I've seen it. But She's yeah. his, uh, his, uh, surly maid. Okay. And I, I enjoy her performance a lot. So, uh, so that's the thing is because just because I love the movie doesn't mean that I'm on board with everything that it won. Um, but now, now let's go to a couple of hard questions. The other nominees for Best Picture, because now I assume you've seen them. This, it's funny, because we were talking about the last time I had seen two of the five mm-hmm. nominated films, one of them being the winner, American Beauty. Yeah. This year, I've seen oh, all I mean, of these. You, you've seen all of them? Yes, okay. all five of these yeah. I've seen. And I mentioned, I, I mentioned that primarily because you said that at the time you were frustrated that Shakespeare and Love won, though you'd seen none of I them. I had seen none of them. Yeah. By now, I have seen them all, okay. as of a while ago. Okay, so... Looking back at the nominees, which are Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan, Elizabeth, Life is Beautiful, and The Thin Red Line. Now, a lot of people are angry that Shakespeare in Love won. Now, they're angry because Saving Private Ryan didn't win. I'm not angry, but for me, Thin Red Line is it. I I think it is for me, too, which is weird to think that, like, at the time, um, it's weird to think at the time being so upset that saving private ryan didn't win now i'm more of the opinion that saving private ryan isn't even the best world war ii movie of that year (laughs) right that's the thing i mean i guess you can't really talk about shakespeare in love without talking about saving private ryan yeah saving private ryan won a number of oscars including best director which it which it deserved yeah i would say um it did it revolutionized a lot of it that entire genre by Mm -hmm. the way um that the storming the beach sequence is one of the most amazing sequences of any film ever made the story that then happens is pretty conventional in a lot of ways i think tom hanks i think acting wise everybody's doing great work but you i mean even to the point that you have okay here's the christian guy here's the jewish guy here's the italian guy here's the uh you know maybe the cowardly guy it just every character is sort of a type which doesn't necessarily bother me but it certainly from a script standpoint it really isn't breaking new ground from a directorial standpoint. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But from a, from a story standpoint, not really, not so much. And it, it, it always, it follows this, um, excuse me, this, this line that I feel like a lot of war movies do that is, is a, it's a weird comparison. I'm sure you've noticed it before and maybe talked about it before, but they're much like, uh, slasher movies. Yeah. Where you boil it down to like a group of people that all are certain types. Yeah. And they go one by one. Yeah. To to the point where, I mean, it's become a joke that like in comedy movies, 
if there's a character who pulls out a picture of his best girl back home, he's gone. Watch out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah. And Saving Private Ryan really falls into that. Right. You know, when people say, hey, what's the best war movie of all time? People are pretty quick to say Saving Private Ryan. I think Then Red Line is amazing. I think Platoon, for me, is up there. I'm trying to think what I would pick. Yeah. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. Um, but I think probably those two are up there. And I do think that as far as capturing the essence of war, Saving Private Ryan deserves to be in the top five. Yeah. But I don't think it necessarily should be number one. Yeah. And it's when talking about this, that kind of format that they, that they go by when then you see the thin red line that same year. Yeah. Which defies any kind of, well, that, that's the way Malick is. His yeah. movies defy any kind of format or even really genre most of the time. Yeah. Um, so that's such a different approach to it mm-hmm. um, that when I did finally see Thin Red Line, which I think of these movies is the last one that I saw. Um, yeah. Uh, that I, I was like, this is, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, I wish I had seen Thin Red Line in the theater. I didn't. I saw it on home video. I watched it with my dad. And I remember that again, it was 98. I was at that point 16. I don't think I was able to really put my finger on why I was so mesmerized by it. Um, and I saw it with my dad. And frankly, this is how snobbish I was and so and how stupid <laughs> I was as a 16-year-old. That I thought that because I was now embracing different things, different things than the mainstream, I thought that I had sort of outgrown my parents as well. And... So when I, so I, the whole time I had this thought of like, I bet my dad is not liking this at all. Cause he had, <laughs> cause he and I had seen Saving Private Ryan together and mm-hmm. he thought it was very harrowing. He really responded to it. And so I asked him when we were done, I said, so what did you, uh, what did you think getting ready for him to be like, well, oh, that was boring or that was whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said, he goes, I think I might like that more than Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> and I said, all right, you know what? Okay. I think I'm going to stop thinking I know what my parents are going to say. Um, but, but him saying that kind of gave me permission to like it more. Cause at that time I was just, I was still young enough that I hadn't seen anything really like saving private Ryan before. Mm-hmm. And so many of my friends and, and so many people that I know uh, that I knew, uh, thought that film was so amazing that I had not quite, I, I was there a little bit, but I had not quite gotten to the point where, I was comfortable having a a contrary opinion. And yet somehow when my dad said, I think I like it more, I think I liked it more too, Hmm. but I think I was reluctant to think that. Hmm. But him saying that sort of gave me permission to say like, yes, that's fine. You can still like Saving Private Ryan, maybe even love it, but love this more. And just because everybody else responds to Saving Private Ryan – you say, me saying that I love that I like Saving Private Ryan. Uh, sorry, that I like Thin Red Line more doesn't take away from the power right. of Saving Private yeah, Ryan. And no. so that's that's something. You know, as we've talked about before, as we go back further and further, we're going to be talking about these films, but we're also talking about ourselves and how these kind of shaped us. A little right, bit. right. So or the okay. effect that they had on us at the time. I mean, looking at this list, I'm trying to think back, but. This is one that I. This is one that all five of these movies I think are great. You okay? So here we go. Life is beautiful. Loved at the time uh, every, by, by everybody. By the yes, way, not yeah. just me. I loved it too. And then people backed away from it because I think a lot of people said like, "Well, I mean, this these are the horrors of war, and he's treating it like some kind of whatever." 
And I think I backed away from it as well. And then I think a lot of other film students stayed away from it. Mm -hmm. And then I think I circled back around and said, it's still pretty good. Yeah. I may not love it as much as I did at the time, but it's still pretty good. Don't get me wrong. Roberto Benigni did not deserve best actor, (laughs) which he won, which is insane. (laughs) Any of those other four should have won over him. His performance is great. Uh It really is great. But I mean, here's here's the nominees. You got your Edward Norton in American History X. Haven't you seen have it. Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters. Saw that. You have Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan. You have Nick Nolte in Affliction. Now, my vote at the time probably would have been Nick Nolte, and I think he's still pretty amazing. But I gotta say, Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters is pretty wonderful. Yeah. And but that's the thing. Tom Hanks is doing great, nice, subtle work too. Um, I feel like I think Tom Hanks is a wonderful actor and a national treasure. But if you look at the movies, the performances for which he would be nominated for best actor and often win, Mm -hmm. they were always, they always had kind of a hook to them. Big Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Castaway, and then Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is the only one that really doesn't. He genuinely seems like just an everyman, certainly compared to the other characters. Yeah. He seems like just kind of an everyman, and he really does carry the film well. He needs to seem ordinary. Yeah. Whereas all these other characters, they are also kind of everyman in some ways, but, you know, one of them is a kid who looks like a man. <laughs> one is a guy dying of AIDS. Yeah. One is a guy with who's uh, mentally, know, challenged. mentally challenged. And the other is, a again, an everyman who circumstances drive drives probably a little crazy uh, in Castaway. Yeah. And so... So I think people may not really give Tom Hanks his due in Saving Private Ryan. I think they yeah. approach it as a technical achievement, but it's an acting achievement as well. Yeah, um, it's funny that of the performances that he's been nominated for, this one's kind of closest to uh, to Captain Phillips, probably. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, which he was not nominated for. Incidentally, yeah. uh, that's terrible. He should have been. <laughs> but um, anyway, sorry, I, I got off track a little bit. So. So I, I kind of came back to saving uh, – so I'm sorry. I keep saying that. I sort of came back to life as beautiful, whereas other people stayed away. Mm-hmm. Your opinion, you love it. I, I Granted, I haven't seen it for a long time, but that's one that I that I really liked, and I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the criticisms of it that it is uh, diminishing the horrors of war I think is illogical because I think yeah. – it's following these people in this situation and this is how they would have reacted. And I, yeah. I totally believe throughout that movie, this is how that they would have reacted. And you know, it's, it's interesting because it's all about this guy who is choosing to, to shield his kid from the horrors of war. Mm-hmm. He acknowledges them. Right. He, he, when we see his expression, when he's reacting to things, he's reacting in a serious way, but then he whirls back around and he has to be this other thing for his kid. Right. He has the full weight of this on him all, at all times, but has to not show that. And I think that's, I think that's a, a very thoughtful subject matter. I don't think that's, I, I, I think it's silly to say that it's diminishing the horrors of war. And as a com as, as a comedy fan as I am, and one that has spoken pretty regularly about how, and I've gotten sometimes in trouble for making jokes about things that people say you shouldn't make jokes about. But I think you can make a joke about anything, and sometimes making a joke is the thing that that helps you, that helps you get through that thing. Yeah. And also, I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I I think 
if you're uh, if you're honest about it, I think I think it's a little ignorant of Americans to complain that it's making fun of the horrors of war when this is coming out of Italy, who experienced the horrors of World mm-hmm. War II in a much realer way than we did. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know for us for us to have never ha- besides Pearl Harbor never had anything happen inside the U.S. Um, well, there's nine eleven. I mean, for World War II. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, to Italy, which was tons of it just destroyed during World War II. Like, all these villages just left completely destroyed and things like yeah. that. I don't think we get to tell them, like, you don't really understand how bad World War II was. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, it's a film that I feel like I'd be interested in, in re-watching. I do not own it at the moment, but uh, but I think I'd like to go back and watch it and, and see what I think of it. But yeah, I agree. Um there's not a, you know, some years there's one or two movies that I think, okay, not not at all. Yeah. That doesn't deserve to be in there. Meanwhile, I think this five is remarkably solid to the extent that when I looked at some of the other movies that were nominated, it's a pretty weak, I feel like 90, uh, 98 is a pretty weak field. I, my favorite movie at the time was The Truman Show, and I still respond to it, and, I, and it was nominated for uh, director and a number of other things. I think it probably should have been up for picture. I'm not sure what I would take out. Um, but, uh, but that was one I really responded to, but 98 had some good things. It had the Truman show, gods and monsters out of sight, affliction, American history X, simple plan, primary colors. Um, you know, and then I'm a big fan of dark city myself, but then, you know, happiness is, is, uh, you know, a big ensemble cast and has some interesting things to say, but, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of you Big know, Lebowski. Big Lebowski, which isn't really best picture material, but uh, no. but yeah. So uh, so looking at this, are there any movies that you feel like should have been nominated for best picture and maybe should have won over Shakespeare in Love? We'll put Thin Red Line aside, but of the of the movies that came out in '98 and weren't nominated, are any are you are there any that you think could have been and should have been of the list that we have here? No. Yeah. No, I don't know if there's even any of those that I would swap out for one of the other nominees. Yeah, it's hard to say, especially when you think in terms of, you know, as we've talked about, and I don't like thinking in these terms or being too locked into them, but the idea of something being best picture material. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at it like that. Truman Show seems like best picture material. Yeah, but I I think there are a number of these movies that I personally believe are better just better movies than Shakespeare in Love, but Dark City is not best picture material. Out no. of Sight is not best picture yeah. material. Um, and so, and you know, to a certain extent, if the depending on how the the Oscars were feeling, American History X could have been best picture material. Um, yeah, you know, it has a message. Uh, it, it's very unblinking in in the way it approaches its message. Uh, yeah. Maybe so unblinking that it scared them away, to be honest with you. Yeah. So um, this, uh, if this were to happen this year, then celebrity probably would get it just cause it's a Woody Allen movie. Possibly. And- <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Oh, and inter- interestingly enough, it's not on this list and I should have written it down. I apologize. Rushmore was also 1998. I couldn't remember if it was 97 or 98, yeah. which and even though I love Rushmore, I, again, I don't think it's best picture. It's not a best picture movie. Yeah, maybe maybe a nominee. It, you know what? Like, in if ten, all of this was now in a ten nominee year, Rushmore's a Rushmore's sure. a best picture nominee. Absolutely, um, especially. I mean, you know, if The Graduate is a best picture nominee, Rushmore could be in a certain type of context. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, we've we've talked about a lot of uh, 
a lot of the great movies that came out in 98, but I do think probably the one that most deserved to win Best Picture was The Thin Red Line. And, I, and I'll say this, of the five nominees, Shakespeare in Love, close second for me. I yeah. really... I really love it. And listeners, if you have not seen it, seek it out. It is yeah. absolutely worth your time. And I think it, it may even be more enjoyable for some people if you've always thought of it as this movie that's not as good as Shakespeare in Love, or sorry, not as good as Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. If that's all you've ever thought of it as, then you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. I absolutely. Think. absolutely. And we usually talk about, like, would you recommend the movie? that one best picture to people. This is a movie. I, this is a year. I would recommend all five of these nominees to yeah. people who haven't seen any of them. All of these are movies I would recommend seeing. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, that will be it for this mini. Uh, the next one we will be taught. Watch out. We will be talking about Titanic. Whew, it's going to so, be a long one. Absolutely. We want it to be as long as the film itself, so you can treat it as a sort of commentary. We're going to play it in the background. So it's the exact same yeah. length. <laughs> By the time we're done, they're not even on the boat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, something to look forward to. Um, do I think it deserved to win Best Picture? The answer might surprise you. Thank you guys for listening. Josh, thanks for being here. <laughs> You're welcome. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.